Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders Anonymous, episode thirty-three. Oh, it is! Wow, interesting. Um, they are really flying by lately. Um, happy summer! It's hot and disgusting everywhere. It seems like. Yes. <laughs> um, here in North Carolina, actually, this is a cool day for us. Probably up to eighty. But you told me it was, like, really hot in uh, Seattle? It's Well, today is not so bad. I don't know what the temperature is outside. I didn't check. But mm -hmm. um, the fact that it's noon and I'm not dying yet is, mm -hmm. like, and the fan seems to be blowing cool air on me. Um, uh -huh. I'll take that as a positive. But yesterday, was it, I'm sure it got up into the 90s. And um, I swear I spent most of the afternoon either either getting out of the shower, prepared to get in the shower, or... Um, having having waited for a little while until until the coolness wore off. Wow! <laughs> so I could do the whole process again. Um, because we I live in Seattle and see and like Seattle doesn't normally get hot summers. So usually, um, with with windows open, we can get like a nice cross breeze and it's fine. Mm. But this this year it was they there were several days that have been up in the nineties, which is just hot any time of the year. But when you don't have air conditioning because you normally don't need it. <laughs> yeah, that is that is definitely um warm. And the uh temperature here has been in the high 90s for most of the last 2 weeks. I think we had a couple days up to 100. Yesterday, we had some rain which kind of cooled things off, but I think it's going to start getting hot again. And so what is this thing where people are saying there's no climate change? Yeah, I, what, what's up with they're that? not going outside. Yeah, <laughs> uh, clearly not. Um, so anyway, we are here to talk about this month's homework, which is uh, or was Wild by Cheryl Strayed. She went outside. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All the way up the, uh, what was that trail called? The Pacific Crest Trail. Pacific Crest, yeah. The Pacific Crest Trail, and um, we'll talk about our experiences with that book and whether or not we liked it. I had mixed reaction to it. Um, how about you? I did you? too. Yeah, it was kind of. Hmm. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little we'll get bit, there. and then um, obviously we have a few news items. Uh, there wasn't; it didn't seem to be a whole lot going on this month, bookwise. So we have a couple of things, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about what we were reading. And in terms of me, I have not been reading very much since I have been studying for the North Carolina um, bar exam. And so my reading this month has consisted mainly of very dull things. And uh, sometimes I've had to answer questions about these very dull things. And uh, one of these questions goes like this. If I can get it to work. Come, come. Okay. On August 10th, 1999, Wasteaway Incorporated, a Greenville-based 
Rural Waste Disposal Company ordered from Dumpster Incorporated new pickup dump units at a total price of $25,000 for immediate use in performing under new waste disposal contract in eastern North Carolina. Ooh. Wasteaway paid 25% of the purchase price prior to shipment and was required to pay the remaining 75% within 10 days of delivery to its Greenville location. The order complied with the statute of frauds. Oh, wow. When the crated dump units arrived at its place of business on August 25th, 1999, Wasteaway's employees randomly uncrated and inspected two of the units and, believing them satisfactory, accepted the entire shipment. The following day, Wasteaway's employees began uncrating and assembling the units for installation and discovered that the remaining units were 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 rusted, bent, and obviously used units. Oh, no! Further investigation revealed that the two inspected units had been had been repainted and, in fact, were used units. Oh my gosh! Well, how could they? <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on. So, uh, and and the, the whole deal is it eventually, eventually asks you questions about the whole scenario. And you have to answer them. And write little essays about why or why not, based on, you know, what the whole thing says. Um, yeah, so that's my exciting studying and reading. Uh, and when I'm not reading uh, dramatic scenarios like that, I am reading very dull law things and memorizing rules and stuff. So uh, that's been most of what I have read over the past month or six weeks. Uh, that said, I would like to say that I did read one book before I started uh, all of this studying thing. And that book was technically a reread for me, although it had been years and years and years since I read it. Uh, and I, my goal is to finish the series, and I realized that it had been so long since I read it that I had to read it again. Um, it's called The Snow Queen by Joan Vinge, and this book is about uh, – it's science fiction, and it's about a kind of like a low-tech planet, um, thousands and thousands of years in the future, and they have these people that are – they can answer any question. They're called Sybils. And they, you know, they, they find out essentially how it's a, it's essentially a galaxy wide network of people. Um, they start out by thinking it's just on their world and then realize that it's on all these other worlds too. And um, it's, it's a very sort of like complicated social structure because you've got these off worlders there uh, kicking up a fuss and um, basically keeping these people in uh, subjugation to them in a sense when it comes to technology because they don't allow technology on this, this planet. And so it's the planets, the people basically stage a rebellion and off worlders get involved and help them. And uh, so that's how the series starts the next two books are kind of like more of the same, but not really. I mean, you know, it's it's the same people and further developments in their lives and, and in the planet, <clears throat> excuse me, and in the civil network, um, because it's essentially people connected to a vast computer 
that has stored knowledge from the previous, uh, before, you know, this galaxy-wide disaster that destroyed most everything, I guess. Um, this, these people put all this knowledge into this computer and it can basically be retrieved by asking these Sybils questions. And so the next two books are them trying to figure out how this network works uh, because the um, the way in which it functions has been lost over the years. Like no one remembers exactly how it works anymore. So um, they're trying to figure it out and that's the next two books. Well, anyway... In order to read the next two books, I had to reread the first one. So that's what I did. Uh, in preparation for reading the next two, once the whole bar exam thing is over with. Actually, the funny it's funny that you said that because um, one of the books I, I... I haven't managed to read very much of anything at all. But I did when I did see that the Snow Queen was on Bard, I had read it years ago, but didn't remember anything about it either. So I, too, started it. Oh, cool. Great minds think alike. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, I am in the middle of A People's History of the Supreme Court by uh, Peter Irons. And basically, it puts the human touch on what would otherwise be a very dull subject, uh, it's just what it says, a history of the Supreme Court justices and cases that have come before it in the past, you know, couple hundred years since its formation. Uh, and Professor Irons takes you through the formation of the Constitution and talks about the personalities that were involved in that and tells the stories behind uh, key landmark Supreme Court cases that have shaped this country's interpretation of our supreme law of the land. Uh, and really, I'm only a little bit a little way through because I only have limited time to read. And so um, I did not realize what a bunch of squabbling idiots our founding fathers were. Uh, and Peter <laughs> Irons makes them very human and uh, very, well, human. <laughs> um, and, you know, they didn't all agree on everything. And he takes you through some of the disagreements. And uh, it's very interesting because he gives the people personality in as far as, you know, you can with something like that. Uh, it's obviously a nonfiction work and has that sort of dry dullness but i found it you know find it because i'm interested interested in the subject matter very engaging and entertaining and it's not really written for i mean it's not written in legalese it's written for the layperson so that makes it uh you know that's that makes it also a, a good thing for for people who aren't you know who don't read this stuff for a living like i do so um like i said i'm very i'm only a little way through it and so i don't know the ending but um it's it's very informative and again it's it's by Peter Irons. He's written some other things too, but this is the only one that I have started so far. How about yourself? What have you been reading? Oh, well, to be honest with you, I've had a I have no excuse. I'm not sitting for the bar. It's just been summer and <laughs> um and I have been just going through a pretty massive reading slump lately. I kind of feel like I have I have been all year, and there for a while I thought I'd kicked it, but this June it was it was really a bit of a struggle to read what I did. I, I keep starting things I know I'll like, and then and then you know it's just finding finding the one I need to find the one book that will make me just you know want to to enthusiastically sit there and and read it and. So I'm trying not to worry about worry that that will never happen again, but <laughs> yeah, um, I know what you mean. But basically, I mean, I I think um, 
I, I do I do intend to go fin it to finish the Snow Queen. I read the first chapter of it on my commute home um, a couple of days ago and had forgotten how um, how much intrigue there was and how like kind of science fiction slash fantasy. I kind of like when they combine genres like that where it's really mm-hmm. it's um, a blend. Where it's where, where it's science fiction, but it has the fantasy trappings. It kind of reminds me of the um, the Steerswoman books by Rosemary Kirstein that I read last year. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And I saw that there were several um, that like Bard was really good to me a few weeks ago, and and I I have I added a bunch of books because there was one day that they had like like at least a dozen older sci-fi titles that they'd added um sci-fi and fantasy books so so there were several books by charles delint that i that i loved that i added those too put up there yeah Mm -hmm. um so so there's there's a lot to read (laughs) i just have to figure out what i want to read um so in the meantime the one book i read happened to be wild from lost to found on the pacific crest trail by cheryl Strayed. yay yes our homework (laughs) woohoo so yeah, that's been my exciting month in reading. <laughs> well, I read more than you did this this yes. time. <laughs> yes, that's, you did. <laughs> you know, even my my one and a half books. Um, okay, so that opens it up. Shall we talk about Wild from Lost to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail? Yeah. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I read this book for for a book club and. I sort of liked it, but at the same time, I was kind of like, okay, move along. I felt like um, I admire her for doing, you know, what she did, which is essentially hiking this trail without much experience at all. Uh, And, you know, she planned it out, realized in some respects that her plans were wrong, but she, you know, she adapted and hiked and did not give up even when she really, you know, wanted to. But I felt like there were a lot of trips down memory lane, a lot more than Mm -hmm. there needed to be. And so when, you know, before she started the hike, I was like, okay, come on, hurry this up. And then she kept going, you know, like back into the past and thinking about things. And I'm kind of like, well, okay, maybe you would do that on a hike. But in in the book, it's really not helping me to understand I guess it, I mean, you know, she did it to, she did, put it in the book to help you understand her motivations and the problems that she had and the way she reacted to things, I guess. But I was just kind of like, I could have done without some of that. Yeah, I, I felt a lot. I felt very much the same way. Um, I, I had read Tiny Beautiful Things, which was her collection of advice columns that she wrote. And I liked those. Um, but I did not... And it was, I, there was a little too much, um, introspection for my taste. And also there were a few points where, um, I just had to be like, there were, there were a few times where, where my credibility was a little strained because there would be like, she would run into all these people on the trail and they'd be like, hi, I've known you for less than 15 seconds. Let me tell you these deeply personal things about my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, no, I don't, maybe, maybe people that hike are a different breed from people that sit on their couches and eat ice cream while they read this book like I did. Um, (laughs) But I cannot, 
I, I don't believe people that that those encounters happened quite the way that she says they did. Yeah, I I do think though that I mean I was I was impressed by how many by the kindness of the you know sort of like the random kindness from strangers yeah. that she received and i do think that that was genuine yeah um but yeah all of a sudden telling people you know the deeply personal things i i'm not sure that 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 actually happened quite the way that she sees it yeah um or, but or, I, but you know, i maybe she left out the 15 minutes of conversation they had about the weather and- right exactly <laughs> but i do think that i mean i was impressed by the kindness that she was shown by fellow hikers along the trail mm-hmm. um, I, and that that did impress me um, yeah. <clears throat> you know there were only a couple people that were kind of you know like Rrr, like the old, yeah. the old couple that um, had the campground or whatever and told her she could use what was it the water but that was it she had to move on um, but other than that most everyone seemed to be really and really the last guy she met that that was kind, ooh, the, on her, yeah, yeah, the creep, um, yeah, that was that was a little bit weird, but um, most people seem to be you know pretty genuine. It seems like she made some lifelong friends, and it was a good thing for her to do, uh, and that it cured a lot of the sort of like angst that she had about life in general, um, her family about losing of, her mother, yeah, losing her mother and her family falling apart and. The whole heroin thing. Um, so, you know, I, I I think that if it had been me in that prologue hanging off of the cliff with, you know, my boots falling fallen off, I don't know if I would have been able to make it. No. I do have to say that was a very effective prologue, though. Absolutely. Because I spent the, the next, like several hours worrying about when the boots like what would happen with the boots and would she be able to replace them and <laughs> I did too and that's what kept me reading because you know through all of that introspection I was worrying about oh, what's going to happen with these boots how is she going to make it barefooted you know and and all this and um so yeah I think that was a very effective way to hook people in and think it probably worked too for the most part oh yeah um, so on a scale of, I don't know, one to five, I would probably, I would probably give it a, I don't know, 3.5, basically because I can't yeah. really decide between a three and a four. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was well written. Um, I thought there was some, were some credibility issues there, but nothing too serious. But I thought for me, there was just a little bit too much, you know, introspection. And like I say, trips down memory lane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm with you there. I, I, would give it about a 3.5 to um I would read more stuff she wrote um I don't know that I would read her doing another travel memoir again though <laughs> yeah I, I'm just not I'm not big into travel memoirs and so I read it for the book club but generally I give travel memoirs a miss um I I I don't know why. It's just not something that I'm really interested in. I do like reading books with, you know, descriptions of natural scenery in them and things. But I found a lot of travel memoirs that I've read overly, I guess, very tedious. Uh, Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know if it has to do with 
the ones I've read or whatever, but just the tedium of it. And and this, the introspection is actually what made this one tedious. I don't think the traveling was necessarily tedious. No, I actually really liked the travel parts in this one. And I, I like, I especially really liked how her joy in finding civilization again. Like, yeah, I know. Every time she took a hot shower, I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and ate a candy bar or whatever it candy bar. was. Right. You know, those things that she would Some eat. Snapple and like, lemonade. Oh, the Snapple <laughs> lemonade. Exactly. And, um, that was like her favorite thing. And the, the joy and the simple pleasures that also was very, you know, very evocative. I almost felt like I was in the same situation a couple of times, like, you know, the way she described it. Um, and obviously that was something that was very, uh, you know, near and dear to her heart, something that she remembered, um, as being, you know, one of those memories that stayed with her and you could tell by the you know just the emotion of it when she would write about it i know i thought that was those those um those were wonderful okay well should we talk about our book news yeah the the little bits of book news that we have um yeah such as they are such as they such are. as they are speaking of well a while ago we were speaking of science fiction and fantasy books and just after we recorded the last podcast, uh, a very prolific science fiction and fantasy author, Tanith Lee, passed away. Uh, we are not sure what exactly the reason was, but we believe it was from breast cancer. She was um, 67 years old, and um, she wrote a lot of very uh, – she wrote a lot of science fiction, fantasy, and sort of blended works as well. And horror, too, yeah. Oh, yeah, horror. She had some vampire things. Yeah, and she, uh, wrote she a little bit of everything. She wrote a little bit of everything. She was nominated for Nebula Award twice, and I think she did actually get a lot of different awards, um, you know, like the Best Fantasy of the Year awards and things. Uh, and so we're sorry to see that, you know, sorry to see that she won't be writing anymore. Yeah. I can't say she has a that I very I've... different. Like I, I read um, a Dreams of Dark and Light, which is one of her short story collections, and um, loved it. I read it. I reread it recently and loved it then too. Um, and then I, I went. I've, I've have several of other of her books on my TBR stack that I'll get to one of these years. But I remember that at the time that I read Dreams of Dark and Light, I went, I got, um, the only other things they had were this vampire series in which they had books two and three, but not book one in Braille. Um, and then her, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was a young adult series and it's something about unicorns. I think there was like the black unicorn and the white unicorn. I don't remember. Um, but they were very different. They were very humorous fantasy and Mm -hmm. short stories I'd read were very dark and lot and kind of not necessarily erotica, but they were definitely very sort of sensual and and adult. And then, yeah, I I read, I think the first unicorn, whatever it was, unicorn book. Um, I haven't read them all. I read that one and then got distracted with other stuff and never went back to it. And I can't remember what it was called. Um, but the only other thing of hers that I read was a very dark science fiction story that I can't remember the name of, of course. Uh, and it was a short story about, uh, it was told from the point of view of, uh, a girl who, because of the like radiation in the atmosphere, everybody lived in these sort of like airtight houses, uh, crying in the rain. That's what it was called. 
and everyone's ambition was to move to the city. And it sort of reminded me of that um, Reba McIntyre song, Fancy, because it was mm-hmm. like this, this girl, and I don't know if we know her name in the story or not. Uh, her mother's main ambition for her was for her to basically sell herself to a man who lived in the in the city uh, where there were all the, you know, like modern conveniences. The cities were under domes. Um, and if she sold herself to this guy uh, to be his wife or mistress or whatever, the family would get money from him to be able to continue to live. Uh, and the mother didn't have, you know, that they didn't have a father figure in the house. It was just her and the mother and the little brothers and sisters. And so it was it was basically that was the mother's plan for her. And so she would stay in the house all the time to keep herself beautiful, I guess you would say. Um, and out of the rains, which brought all the radiation and poison down on everyone. Um, it was it was a very dark, for lack of a better word dark story um and then after that i read the unicorn and i was like wow that's very different yeah Uh, but other than that i haven't read anything else that she has written and i have plans to do that like you uh put it on my tbr list and we'll see you know we'll see what happens with that uh but we did want to report uh her passing Um, also, James Patterson is well on his way towards raising a million dollars to help out independent bookstores. And he's one of those authors that I just, he, I don't um, like his books. That's just me. However, yeah. um, he has done a lot of good for independent bookstores over the past year and a half to two years. And uh, hopefully that will continue. He's one of the many authors who find ebooks are, you know, like, okay and all, but there is something about the printed word and the printed book that make bookstores uh, places of, you know, places of note and worth keeping around and the traditions of them worth keeping around. So he's helping to raise uh, money to keep independent, you know, indies alive. And uh, I don't know if he's actually raised a million dollars yet. The link that we have, the only link is a couple of months old, um, talking about his quest to do that. So he may have already done it by now. I'm not actually sure, but figured I would point that out. Uh, in this age of ebooks, there are still authors that care about the printed word. Uh, and, and that's, of course, always a good thing. Uh, let's see. What was the other one? Oh, yeah. Uh, Grey has come out. <laughs> yes. Fifty Shades of Grey's sequel, if you will. The fourth book in the series uh, by E.L. James, told from the point of view of Christian Grey. So it is a retelling of the first book, but from his point of view. And it is 559 pages long of Christian Grey goodness. (laughs) And what really got me was I was reading a couple of reviews of the book. And one person was like surprised that it was basically the same plot. I'm kind of like, well, yeah, it's the same plot. It's the first book, just from someone else's point of view. It's going to be the same plot. Yeah, I, I found that a little puzzling, too. But <laughs> Why are you like, so the, surprised? The, but, right. But it, but it is, like, I do feel like there there is something to be said about complaining about that, because I don't understand the appeal. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I haven't read the, the original Fifty Shades, and I feel like I'm probably not going to, to reread um, <laughs> this next one, um, or, or, you know, I'm not going to 
I will skip. I will skip this whole franchise entirely if I can. I think that I'm going to skip it too. Um, that said, I do have. I do have the first three books, and I may even have this one, just because I had the first three, and I was kind of like, whatever. But, I mean, how much is she going to milk this for? Is, she, is the next book going to be from the point of view of Mrs. Robinson? I mean, you know, yeah. how much further can she take this without, because yeah. I and guess, I mean, the... you know, she doesn't want to add new content right. to the series. So, there are only a limited number of characters that you can you can. <laughs> You and, can, and that's what the, the article that we have on the in the show notes is basically talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about like you know what else can she really do with this, and then saying that there is a thriving community of fan fiction authors out there that have take like that did were telling the Fifty Shades of Grey from Christian's point of view long before she did. Yeah. Um, well, long before she announced that she was going to make an official published version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually really like the article that we have, um, although I do, it, it does have a, like this tone of like, yes, this is fan fiction is a thing that people do. <laughs> Isn't it weird? <laughs> like, like, like they've never heard of fan fiction before. Right. Right. Which is, which is, which often happens when mm-hmm. people write about fan fiction on, in, in the media, but it's still just like, you know, anybody, anybody, anybody who's, who's like, you know, Fifty Shades started out as Twilight fan fiction, mm-hmm. so it's not like this is a surprise. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. So, and, and we do have a, a link also to a review of the book that is a little bit amusing, and so we will we'll have that in the show notes as well. Yes. Um, now, all of that said, we will move briskly onward to our homework for the month. Uh, this episode's homework is a book that's near and dear to my heart from an author that's near and dear to my heart, but I'll let you talk about it since you were the one picked it. Since I picked it. Um, <laughs> it was really funny. I, w- I um, was trying to figure out what I wanted to read, and I, I was looking through my list of books, and I said, I want to pick something I know I'm going to like because I'm having this reading slump. And so I, I uh, chose Laddie by Jean Stratton Porter. Um, and I sent Aaron a DM and said, "What about this one? I I don't don't really know if it's any good, but um, I there there are at least a couple of memorable patrons I have at the library that are always asking about Laddie." <laughs> um, so and she was like, "Oh, Jean Stratton Porter. <laughs> I'll read a book of hers anytime. Her books anytime." Yeah, and so I'm I'm thrilled that we're going to be reading this book, uh, Jean Stratton Porter. I stumbled across her books in this weird way. Um, I'd never heard of her before, kind of like kind of like you. And then um, when I got to law school, I had uh, purchased a copy of the Kurzweil 1000 scanning software. And with that scanning software came this weird collection of books. And there are things that you can get on Project Gutenberg. It was called the Classic Literature CD. And I guess I I think it's weird because some of the things that were on there were weird. I mean, like Edgar Rice Burroughs and some of the Tarzan books uh, and and also um, some of his Mars books, which incidentally I think are just fantastic. Uh, But I was introduced to them, the the, uh, Mars books, especially through this classic literature CD. Uh, And I don't really think they're very well written. And I don't I mean, you know, they're not. 
what I would consider classics. It's more like Pulp Fiction, but somebody does because they're on there. Um, and the uh, several books, including Laddie uh, by Gene Stratton Porter, were also on that um, on that CD. Uh, although Laddie wasn't the first one I read, I think it was probably the third or fourth one. Um, but I really did enjoy the books of hers that I read. And one of the reasons is that in virtually every one of them, I'm not sure if in this one there is so much, but in a lot of them, like, um, Freckles or, uh, A Girl of the Limberlost, she, there is a lot of description of the natural natural scenery uh, and the flora and fauna of, well, the Limberlost, and I'll get to that in a minute, um, or in a couple of cases, other places in the country. And so you can really tell that she lived or visited these places that she wrote about uh, because um, it's so descriptive. You just almost feel like you're there. Now, the Limberlost actually was a real place. Um, my father knows where it is and grew up near there. Although by the time that he was born, it was essentially all destroyed um, by lumber companies. The Limberlost was a, they call it a swamp. It was really a huge forest um, and wetland, kind of like a forest wetland combo in northern Indiana. And um, it was, you know, like I said, destroyed by lumber companies by the time my dad was born in the early, late 40s, early 50s. Um, but when Gene Stratton Porter was writing in the early 1900s, it was still around. And a lot of her books are based in that area because that's where she grew up. And this one is too. Uh, so I hope that everyone enjoys it. This is a basically about a little girl who has this older brother that she idolizes. And she's narrating the book and telling about her older brother. So there is some like hero worship here. I kind of you know, next time we'll talk, we'll talk about it more, but that's basically what it's about and about life in rural Indiana in the early 1900s, basically like, let's go back to the simple life. And, uh, so I think it'll be fun to read. Yeah. I like, I like stuff like that. I've been reading, um, <laughs> when I, when I am reading anything, it seems <laughs> like I've mostly been, been venturing towards like classics or, um, horror <laughs> um but but I was reading a lot of like Ellen Montgomery and things like that earlier this year and I don't know if, if Gene Stratton Porter is anything like that but um you know that same sort of slightly classical style of writing kind and, of yeah and I mean her characters are all sort of like larger than life and kind of in in a certain way like Ellen Montgomery's characters are um, she has and a little bit of romance. Yeah, and, a little you know, bit of romance. Yeah, and very romantic views on things to a certain extent. So, I think you'll like it, and I'm sure that a lot of other people will like it. Um, and you know what? We forgot to mention. If you want to read this book on your Android oh, device, yes, we did forget to mention. <laughs> if you want to read this on your Android device and download it with the Bard app, you can do that now. Just go to the Google Play Store and, and download it. <laughs> it's probably called Bard Mobile, just like it the is iOS. Bard Mobile, is. yeah. iOS app and it is. looks it looks pretty much this like the iOS app does. It work it works pretty much the same way. Um, I don't have an Android device, so I can't really speak to it. But I played with one a little bit, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's. Um, 
pretty, pretty intuitive. And I like the fact that on the on Android, you can, like, it, it's not like Apple, where you just basically put the book where Apple says you're going to. You can make folders. and <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I have not. I have an Android device, but I don't know where it is. Because my husband takes things over and, like, uses them. <laughs> it's his Android device now, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, like, we have two Nexus 7 tablets. And the idea was I was going to use one and he was going to use the other one. And now I don't know where the one I was using is. Um, I think he's using it for something, but I'm not sure what. So now it's his. Uh, and, you know, that being said, I don't really mind that much because I really wasn't thrilled with it. I mean, I, I just... The yeah, Android platform, I'm, I'm just not thrilled with it. I'm not either. And so, um, you know, whatever. But I was going to try out the BART app, but I have too many other things to do right now. So perhaps later in the month, uh, I'll, I'll try it out on uh, the Nexus and see um, see what it's like. And if you want to try out the BART app and send us some email and tell yeah. us what you think of it. I would really appreciate some feedback on the uh, Android version of the app. Uh, and, uh, so if you want to send us an email, because we are really, really looking for listener mail to, uh, put into the podcast, uh, hint, hint, you can do that by emailing, what is it? BHA podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Gmail. Yeah. Um, and if you want to send us a tweet, you can do that by tweeting book orders on Twitter. Um, and if you want to tweet me personally, you can do that by tweeting Aaron Edgar on Twitter. And if you want to tweet me personally, I'm at Bartsong. And if you want to go look at our website and check out the past Book Hoarders episodes, all one through 32 of them, and enjoy several hours of listening to us ramble, uh, <laughs> you can do that at bhapodcast.com. Indubitably. And are you still doing your blog thing? No, not really. Not really? Oh, okay. Well, then I just won't talk since, about it. Since I haven't been reading any books to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you know, it hasn't been getting done. Yeah. So, um, we, on that note, we're going to wrap this up. This was a very short and, unfortunately, a little bit on the boring side podcast. But... Um, we hope you all enjoyed Laddie, and we'll be back next month to talk about it. And with all that being said, we'll simply bye. say bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow book hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657, and visit the website at bhapodcast.com.